All right, well, uh, Psalm chapter 127 is where we're going to be tonight, and I think I'm excited to have the opportunity to preach. When pastor asked me to preach on parenting, I was a little, I don't know how I felt about that, to be honest with you, um, and, but I'm excited. There's kind of a running joke out there that anytime the youth pastor gets to preach, it's a big deal, you know, to go in the big service, um, and I guess I can relate to that a little bit. <laughs> Um, but I do really enjoy um, getting to be with the teenagers and with the kids each week on Sunday mornings um, and Wednesday nights. And parents of teenagers tonight, I just want you to know um, we, love your, we love your teens, we love your kids, and I just think um, they're a pretty special group over there. And I think that that's a testament to you as a mom and a dad and how you're training your young people. Um, and you've made my job so easy, you know, um, because they're really good kids. And today they gifted me a brand new Bible, which was pretty fun. It's not my birthday or Christmas or anything, but um, just a really sweet moment that they just showed appreciation. And I want to show appreciation to them because I love them too. And uh, it's a blessing. So um, Psalm chapter 127, if you're there, you can stand with me and we'll read this together tonight. Um, if you're visiting tonight, I just have to tell you to... Um, come back at another service, whether that be a Sunday morning or maybe a Wednesday night during our midweek service to hear our pastor preach. Um, that'd be a really treat, a big treat to you. Um, he's a great communicator and um, just a great leader. And I would love for you to be able to hear from him sometime. Whew, deep breath. Here we go. Parenting. Psalm 127. Okay. And I want to say too, before we dive in, I am in no way qualified to teach on this, on this subject. Um, and I, to all the parents in the room, I am a fellow struggling parent just like you, trying to figure things out. And we will probably never have everything figured out. Um, but thank God for his grace and his help and his wisdom that he avails to us, uh, us through the process here. Psalm 127, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Would you read verse 3 out loud with me together, church family? Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. The psalmist goes on to say, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man, and I'd add woman, that hath their quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Verse 3 again, I just want to get our attention there. The psalmist said, Lo, children are in heritage. Um, that word heritage means a possession. They're God's possession. They're a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, just for this wonderful service tonight. What a meaningful day you've given us, even in this morning service with the songs and the message, and tonight with the music, and the fellowship, and the connection, Lord, it's been so sweet. And we thank you for Eastland Baptist Church. Lord, this is a special place, and we don't want to take it for granted. And we thank you that you're growing our church with these little ones, and help us as parents here tonight, and maybe future parents in the room, and maybe parents of young people that have grown up some, and, and grandparents in the room. Lord, I pray that we could um, just have our perspective realigned with your word and your teaching, and your philosophy tonight, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. And may you use this time right now just to be a help to people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Those of you who are parents in the room, I, I think you would agree with me that parenting is one of the greatest joys in life. 
And yet simultaneously at the same time, it's one of the greatest challenges in this life that we will ever endeavor. Um, Katie and I now have four children. Many of you know Audrey is almost eight years old. Jace is six and uh, Jude is three and a half. And who's Hazel is <laughs> 20 months. All right, I almost forgot. Um, it's a super fun season of life, but I'll be honest with you, it's, it's a busy season of life. Any of you who have young children or you've lived through that season in your life, you can relate that, oh, it is, it is so much fun, but it is, it is busy. And oftentimes, Katie and myself, we find ourselves uh, just feeling like we're treading water and trying to keep our head above. Can anybody relate to that? And I don't say that for your pity's sake. I'm just trying to set the tone here. And, and even if, for those of you who don't have children or maybe your children are grown, we're, we're all busy, right? And life seems to present to us a lot of different responsibilities that demand our time and our attention and our energies. And oftentimes it feels like we can never really do everything that we're supposed to do in the given days and in the given weeks that we're supposed to do it. Recently, um, one Sunday, we spent over 12 hours at church, me and my little ones and, and Katie. We came to the church at 8.30 in the morning for a teacher's meeting. And then at 9.30, we, we dropped the kids off before 9.30 for class. Then we went to teach Sunday school. Then we went upstairs with the kids. And then after that, that afternoon, we spent all afternoon with some youth leaders talking about solving all the world's problems uh, all afternoon. And, and then right after that, we had choir practice, dropped the kids off for that, and had a meeting before church about a missions trip, and then evening service, then after service, we had a meeting with student leaders. And by the time we got home, uh, it was about 9.30 at night, and Katie and I pull into the driveway, and some of you can relate to this. We just both at the same time, not planned. Because <sighs> we're just thinking, we have so much more to do before we go to bed, you know? We gotta get these kids out of the car, which is a project, and then we gotta get them, all their shoes off, and then get them into their pajamas, then make sure they all go to the bathroom, and they all brush their teeth, and they all get a, a, a drink of water, and all that stuff, and we snuggle them, and pray with them, and read a book, and you know, all that kind of stuff, and by the time we're gonna get to bed, me and Katie are looking at each other like, we got another hour, hour and a half before we actually rest our head on a pillow, right? And I can remember when we got all done with that process, and we finally lay down just in, just fatigue, utter fatigue of everything that day, I remember it hitting me like it's hit me before, thinking this is such an enormous task that God has given me. This is such a big responsibility. I don't think I can do this. And I'll be honest with you, I even had a moment, just a moment, Katie, where I thought, what would it be like to be single and not have kids and not have any responsibility in this fashion, you know? Um, and then I quickly realized, oh, thank God I have a wife and I have kids, uh, I would be a mess, right? It just seemed in that moment, like some other moments that I had experienced in my life, it seemed impossible to do what God had called me to do. And, and I mean, so many encounters, so many things that should be simple in life as parents is just not simple. I mean, eating food should be a simple thing, right? <laughs> it's just not simple as a parent. Getting dressed in the morning should be a simple task, but it's just not that simple. Doing homework, I mean, you fill in the blank. Um, it is just not, getting the kids into the car on the way to church should not be like a world war, right? And so none of these things are simple. And in the midst of that, I think quite honestly, frankly, it's easy for us as parents to lose our way, right? I'll, I'll be honest tonight. There's been moments when I've felt like, wow, I, I lost my way. Perhaps you two have had moments or seasons when 
you've lost your sense of intentionality. You've lost your sense of focus and, and purpose in your parenting, and you're just reacting. And you're careening from moment to moment, and something happens over here, so you give your attention to that. And while that's happening, something else happens over here, and so you turn there. And while that's happening, something else is happening over here, and you just feel like you're spinning, and, and you can't control it, and you wonder if God is even still alive. Parenting is hard. It's a challenge. You know, one of our kids had a very strong repulsion to using the potty. They, to potty train them was like, God, you're going to have to intervene. We're going to need some divine intervention. And, you know, you're just like, we shouldn't have to go through that, right? Like, this should be normal. Like, you should want to use that um, <laughs> at some point in your life, right? Um, I remember we went on a family road trip not too long ago to Washington State. We thought, let's pack them all up and let's go on an 80-hour round trip road trip. <laughs> and, uh, man, we loaded up the back of the van. I just told myself going to the trip, don't look back there, Andrew. Don't look back there because there's going to be rappers. There's going to be all sorts of stuff going on. You let Katie do that. You drive. And um, if you want to really discover the depravity of man, take your family on a long road trip, right? Not only will you realize your child's depravity, you'll realize your own. But I remember on that trip, just all of the things that we were challenged with as a family being together for that period of time. And our instinct in those moments, our instinct when we're faced with situations like that is this, I just need some strategies on how to do this. Like, just give me a set of strategies for dealing with the child who won't eat what I put before him at the dinner table. Just give me a set of strategies for dealing with the siblings constantly quarreling. Just give me a set of strategies for dealing with whatever you want to fill the blank in. And perhaps that's what you've been looking for. I know I've done a lot of study and research. I've read a lot of books and articles and listened to podcasts about how to parent and, and what to do. But I'd submit to you tonight that perhaps that's not where we should start when it comes to the responsibility and the gift that God has given us as parents. In fact, if you think about what the Bible gives us, the Bible is a book full of principles. Um, it doesn't give us spelled out strategies, how to specifically for life, does it? Like there's, there's nowhere in the Bible where you're told, this is how you should work through um, a wonderful night that you had with your spouse, took, a, took her out for a great dinner and then it ended in a fight and this is what you should say right? That's not in the Bible. It, there's nothing in the Bible that says, here's a manual for how to talk to that neighbor who gets on your nerves all the time in your neighborhood, or, or how to have a tough conversation with a rebellious teenager. In other words, we don't have a script, right? God didn't give us spelled out word for word what to say or what to do, but he did give us principles. Thank God for that. But the Bible doesn't give us a script. And I wonder why. Could it be because God knows that you and I need something profoundly bigger and profoundly more beautiful and profoundly more helpful than just a bunch of how-tos? And so tonight, I wouldn't be the first person to give you a list of how-tos. I wouldn't feel um, qualified nor like I could actually give you something from God's word there. But I do want to provide you with this, the gospel of Jesus Christ and how that looking at your parenting through the gospel can radically change um, how you approach it. Now, when I say the word gospel, you might be thinking, what do you mean by that? You know, I just want help with my daughter who won't eat her vegetables. I just want help with my son who won't sit still. I just want help with my teenager whose room looks like a bomb went off in it. You know, I, I just want help with kids who are resisting to do their homework. And I would tell you that help is found in the glorious, revolutionary, transforming message of the gospel of Jesus. 
And I, I think sometimes when we hear the word gospel, we kind of think of it as an entrance and an exit. Like, you know, we, we see ourselves coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, entering into that glorious relationship with him. And then the gospel is our exit. It's about our hope in eternity someday in heaven, like we sang about tonight. And therefore, our view of the gospel doesn't always really deal with the here and now, the day to day. But we need to recognize and comprehend this tonight that Jesus died for every single thing that you and I will face between the already of our conversion and the not yet of our homecoming. And the gospel addresses everything in our lives today and tomorrow, and it targets everything in our lives. And my point that I'm trying to drive home tonight is this, is when you and me understand the gospel, We'll have a radically different way of facing everything in our lives, not just parenting for those of you here tonight that aren't parents. Everything in our lives. Now, I want to ask you a question. If I was to say, how does the gospel form or reform your parenting? Or how does the gospel change everything you think about parenting? Here's my question. What would you say? And I want you to think about it. And I'm not talking about your child's salvation either. I'm talking about the gospel as the glorious reality that becomes a lens that you view life through. And when you look at life through that lens, it changes who you think you are. And it changes what you think your job description is. And that's what I'm trying to get after tonight. Because the gospel has the power to give you an idea of how to deal with those things that we've talked about, those difficult situations. And the gospel can keep you from losing your way, and the gospel can uh, explain things that wouldn't be explained any other way. The gospel has that transforming power. It's the, it's the big picture that you and I need as parents. It'll let you know who you are as a parent and what your job description is. I, I think sometimes we don't understand, at least myself, I speak for myself maybe here tonight, I don't understand my job description, and if I don't understand that, then there's no way that I know what I'm supposed to be or what I'm supposed to do or how I'm supposed to go about this whole thing of parenting. The gospel tells us what our job description is. It tells us what our primary tool is as parents, because in those moments where our faith is tested, to put it that way, I guess, uh, you're going to be reaching for some kind of tool that will produce what you think needs to be produced, but the gospel will tell you what that tool is. And it tells you and me what our big, dark difficulty is as parents. It tells you and me what your problem and my problem is as parents. The gospel tells you where to find the hope that you need to get up the next morning and do it all over again. Isn't that the truth? One of my kids, um, this was when they were really young, um, was having a really hard time just interrupting. Um, at the dinner table and at church, they would just, we, me and Katie would be talking to people and they would just run up and, and just, I won't tell you which one, but it's a really outgoing, energetic one that I have. And, and this child would just interrupt a lot. And, you know, we had, I talked to Pastor about it. Katie talked to Mrs. Durrell and some other ladies, think Elizabeth and people like that about it. And so we did some training. You know, we're like, okay, we're going we're gonna to try the training thing, you know. And we felt like we had done a fair amount of training and, and you know, told her, him, whatever, them. <laughs> that was accidental. We told them, look, there's going to be consequences if you don't listen and you really need to work on this, right? So I remember one evening at dinner, it was just over the top. You know, I'm trying to have a conversation with Katie and at this time I think they were 
four. And so you're like, they should know. And um, I'm like, all right, we gotta, we gotta go back and we gotta, we gotta deal with this in the middle of dinner, you know? Really inconvenient, but here we are. And so I take this young person that belongs to me back to our room. <clears throat> And I sit down with them, and I try to have a conversation with them. I don't know if you've ever had to try to have a conversation with a four-year-old. That's, that's fun. Um, but we're sitting down, we're talking, and in that moment, they're interrupting me. And I'm like, this is literally why I brought you back here. I'm trying to teach you that this is not okay. And there was a lot of pushback. And I'll be honest with you tonight. I was upset. I, I felt like, what are you doing, you know? And I remember in that moment saying things I wish I hadn't said, saying things in a way I wish I hadn't said them. And I remember when I was done dealing with that, going back to the dinner table and thinking, I lost my way. I lost my way. And that's not the dad I imagined myself being. That's not, the conver that's not how I imagined that conversation going. Um, these are not the things that I wanted to say Perhaps you've had a similar experience. How many of you, let me just ask, would be comfortable with me playing a public recording of everything that you've said to your children? We need help. And help is found, my point is, help is found in the beautiful message of the gospel of Jesus. So what is it exactly that God has called you and me, those of us here who are parents here tonight, what is it that he's called us to do? What, what am I supposed to be doing? And maybe you've been tempted to think, I'm not a good parent because you've made mistakes along the way and you've made poor choices and you can't let those things go or perhaps your spouse won't let those things go and maybe you struggle thinking, I, I'm not a good parent, but I hope that you will find comfort in this fact that the gospel of Jesus informs us and explains to us why this is challenging. If you think about parenting, what it is, kind of at its core, essentially, Here's what it is. It's a flawed person trying to give guidance and wisdom to another flawed person in a fallen world. Are you encouraged? That, that's, parenting is a sinner seeking to give guidance and wisdom and grow and mature another sinner. No wonder it's hard. No wonder it's difficult. No wonder we need help. We need wisdom. We need guidance. So with that said, there's really two different approaches to parenting that we can take. You're either parenting as an owner as one author puts it, or you're parenting as an ambassador. Ownership parenting is this, and I don't think people say this, but maybe they subconsciously think it. And I don't think it's entirely wrong, but oftentimes we think these children belong to me. They are mine, and my job is to form them in what I think they should be formed into them, and I'll form into them what I think should be formed into them and get from them the things that I want to get from them. And my job is to produce the things that I think are good in my children, and my job is to get from my children what I want. Now, that doesn't all sound bad, right? But think about it. Oftentimes, it's from that type of posture and attitude that produces dysfunction and significant tension and difficulty in parenting because these are my children and my job is to get from them what I want to produce in them, what I want. It puts you in the middle of it all. In other words, it makes parenting all about you. Your wants, 
your needs, your principles, your perspectives, your culture, you, you, you. And it sets up that power and authority stuff that isn't super effective in parenting. And the radical thing that the Bible says is that these children have been entrusted to us and they don't actually belong to us entirely. And they're not given to us by God to build our reputation. They're not trophies to show off as part of our success. They're not given that way. They're not given as little servants to make our lives easier. They're not given to us to make our lives comfortable. They're not given to build my reputation so that people around me think, wow, you're an awesome dad. No, my children aren't there for me ultimately. But let's be honest, a lot of parenting, and I could speak for myself here, is driven by our comfort. Like, look, if I'm yelling at my children in the car because they're speaking louder than I am okay with humans speaking, right? And I just want a peaceful ride home from church. And you've seen this before. And I just start, I'm driving. I've got one hand on the wheel, but the other hand's kind of doing this, right? And you don't, at this point, you don't care who you hit. You just want to hit somebody <laughs> to, to just kind of get that out of you, right? And then you have a little outburst and you say, what are you guys doing? Why do I even try? Why would I ride with people like this who don't listen and are so loud and, and, and there's never a moment of peace? Now think about this for a moment. Why are you doing that? You're not doing that because your children have broken God's law. You're doing that because your children have broken your law. And, and you're unannounced personal self-centered, my comfort is more important than anything else law, right? Is it okay to be real tonight? Um, perhaps there's been moments where you were irritated with your children, maybe even irrationally. I can remember moments like this growing up in my house with two older sisters, them leaving the house or going to leave the house to go to school and my mom and dad looking at them, one of them going, are, are you really gonna go out in that? Not because it was immoral, not because it was immodest, they just thought it was weird. And they're going, are you really going to go out in that? And then it would be followed up with something similar to this. Back in my day, I would have never thought of wearing something like that. You see, it's all about you. If you put your children down at 8 o'clock and they're now fighting in their bedroom at 9.30, you get up off the couch, you walk down the hallway, feet heavy on the floorboard, heading toward the room. You're probably not saying in that moment, thank you, God, for giving me an opportunity to be an agent of good things in the lives of my children that you've given me. Right? You're getting up off the couch and you're going, they are dead. Right? And you burst into the room and you go, do you know what my day has been like? Like, do you have a sense of what I do? Like, I just do for you and do for you and do for you and, and this is what you give me in return? I put every ounce of clothing on that back. Every morsel that's been fed before you, I've provided. I made your Christmases happy. I'm a pretty content person. I don't need a mansion or a Rolls Royce. I just need children that listen, right? Now think with me for a moment. As you're going off, do you think your children are saying, my, that's helpful? 
wow, um, this is a truly wise person. In fact, I'm seeing things about my heart I've never seen before. No. How are they feeling? Well, they're probably feeling confused, hurt. Maybe they're thinking, my dad needs a parent. <laughs> this is humbling. It's convicting. Because you're not misusing your authority because they broke God's law. You're misusing your authority because they broke your law. And according to your law, no child shall speak after 8 o'clock when you're tucked in bed. <laughs> I understand why you laugh because I told the story in kind of a funny way. But as parents, maybe it's not so funny. And we should ask ourselves, what in the life of our children causes you or me to react the strongest, the loudest, the most forcefully? And do those moments have anything to do with what God says is right and true and beautiful, or are they about me and my comfort and my expectations and my opinions? It's, it's convicting. We need to understand our position. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15 says, and that he, Jesus, died for all, that they which live, that's you and me, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. What is Paul saying? He's saying Jesus came so that those who are alive today would not live for themselves, but would live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see what sin does? Sin causes to insert ourselves into the middle of our world. Sin causes us to make it all about us, my wants, my needs, my feelings, my schedule, my plans, my happiness, my perspectives, my, 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 my. And as long as sin is still inside of me, that meism, that self-focus, that, that self-centeredness, that selfishness, and that tendency I have to make life all about me, I'm going to be tempted to make my parenting about me as well. And I react when something I want or something I've told myself I need is taken away from me by one of my children. And it has nothing to do with what's good and right and true. Has nothing to do with what's best in the eyes of God for my children. The gospel gives us a different model. Ephesians chapter 6, if you could quickly take your Bibles and turn there with me, I want you to see this passage in Ephesians chapter 6, perhaps one of the most classic passages in Scripture used as it uh, pertains to parenting. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul's writing this letter to a group of believers in Ephesus who had struggles just like you and me. And he gives some time here to the family. In chapter 6 and verse 1, he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And now I want to highlight verse 4, and I want you to look at the content. I want you to think of the content of what Paul is saying in verse 4. He says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord. Paul is essentially saying there's something bigger than you when it comes to your responsibility as a parent. There's something bigger than what you think you need. There's something bigger uh, to this agenda of parenting. And Paul is essentially saying, look, you're not the owners of these children. God is the owner. He's the owner's owner of these children. And so your calling is to be an ambassador of the one whom these children belong. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, the Bible says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. And I, I like that term ambassador, because what is that which an ambassador does? An ambassador represents, right? And so my job as a parent 
is to represent the will and the way, the purposes and the plan of the one to whom my children actually belong. You see, everything you and I do in our parenting, every moment in parenting is meant to be approached as a representative. So what does it mean to be a representative? Well, it means I am meant to represent the message and the methods and the character of the one I've been called to represent. And our entire calling in parenting is to be representational. The way I speak to my children, what I say to my children should be representational. Uh, the way that you and I, that we discipline our children should be representational. The, the things that, uh, um, that require me of my children, that should be representational. Everything I do, every encounter, every moment, every conversation, every problem, whether it's instruction or teaching that I have to do from the moment I get up in the morning to the moment I put my head on my pillow, I am meant to self-consciously in those moments give God a representation of himself to my children. God makes his invisible authority visible in the lives of children by sending parents of authority to represent his authority in the lives of children who need authority. Let me say that again. God makes his invisible authority in the lives of children visible by sending parents of authority to represent his authority in the lives of children who need authority. Therefore, as a parent, I shouldn't exercise my authority based off my comforts and my emotions and my selfishness. I must be a beautiful picture of the authority of God, the wise, patient, firm, but gracious, loving, faithful authority of God. And for that, I don't know about you, when I hear that, when I think about that, I think, this is impossible. There's no way on earth I can do that every single time. And that's why, my friend, I'm telling you, we need grace. We need God's grace. Every time you exercise authority, it must be a beautiful picture of the authority of God. So parents, how are we doing? Your children are probably like my children in this way. They don't come into the world loving authority. In fact, this might sound harsh, but it's true because I was a child once. We come into this world as little self-sovereigns, right? You know, that fight over whether or not your child's going to eat vegetables is not about diet. It's about authority. That fight about when to go to bed, it's not about sleep. It's not about health. It's about authority. And so because of sin and the fall of man, there is in the heart of a child to be rebellious against authority. And here's what happens. When you or I exercise our authority in an angry or hurtful or name-calling or even abusive way with irritation and impatience, it actually deepens the rebellion in the heart of that child against authority. And part of our responsibility as parents is to make authority to our children a beautiful thing a gracious thing, a loving thing, a guiding thing, a protective thing, a wisdom-giving thing. So our children should see and grow to see authority as a wonderful thing and be thankful for it. And you really want your child to get there before they become a teenager because if your teenager doesn't have an appreciation for the authority in their life, well, I don't know how that will go. My job is not to exercise my authority however I want to in an angry or un unhealthy way. That distorts the picture of what authority was meant to be, and we fail to be a representative of God. Here's how I'm trying to view my life as a parent, and I hope this is a help to you. 
when my eyes ever see and my ears ever hear the sin or the wickedness or the failure of one of my children. To understand it's not an accident, it's never an interruption, it's not a hassle, it's always grace because God loves that child of yours and he's put in him a family of faith and he will reveal the need of that child to you as a parent or to me as a parent so that we can be a tool of his rescue and transformation. That's the essence of ambassadorial parenting. And if we are going to be representatives, then we have to hold our schedules and our plans for our day with a very open hand because God will give you and me moments to represent him that are not in our plans and are not in our schedules. How are we viewing those spontaneous moments? Every single one of those moments, God's making clear to you and me the need of our children to us. Parenting is one of the greatest joys in life. It's also one of the greatest challenges in life. In church family, we need to view parenting the way that God designed us to view parenting, through the lens of the gospel, understanding these children really aren't mine. Ultimately, they're God's. I'm God's representative. And because I'm a sinner, trying to pour into another sinner wisdom and guidance and grace, well, I'm going to need God in order to accomplish that in the life of my child.